Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is John Trooper. This is Kate Prusser. This is Julio Rodriguez. Produced by Evan James Audio. This is Lookout Landing Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Lookout Landing Podcast. My name is John Troopin. I am pleased to be coming to you on the heels of what was not a letdown of a baseball weekend in uh, in Seattle, Washington. Um <laughs> I, I realize that that is maybe a really negative framing. I don't mean it to be. It was fantastic. Um, but I am very excited to discuss, uh, obviously, on our most recent episode, we had Grant Bronson on. We talked pretty in-depth about the Julio Rodriguez extension. Um, so if you're if you're looking for talk about that, um, just pop in the, the recent episode we recorded on Friday night, I believe. And or, or relatively recently, and um, yeah, but today I am joined by managing editor of Lookout Landing, Kate Prusser. Oh, and uh. audio engineer, uh, Evan James. Evan, hello, 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 always happy to be here. Um, Kate, yes, you were at two of the games this weekend. Uh, no, no. Here's the funny thing. Well, I guess technically, yes, I was at two of the if games. If you count Thursday, I don't know what. I was at that game as press, and oh, then I was true. at Saturday's game as a fan, and I was supposed to go to Sunday's game as press, but I did not because dun, 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 
I got pickpocketed on the light rail home. No. Yes. No. Yes, I did. And it was so just heads up. Uh, there are people out there who will pickpocket you on. And they are taking advantage of super crowded trains to do so. Because honestly, like, we'd let two trains go by and they were both so full. This was yeah. Saturday. That finally we're just like, we just have to squish our way in there. And where there is squishing, there is uh, people who want to take advantage. So Damn. Uh, just to heads up, keep your wits about you because it has. And anyway, congratulations to the person who got my credit card with a $200 daily limit, my <laughs> password protected debit card, my Costco card. Surely that will be of great help. And my Orca card with a negative $3 balance. You have <laughs> picked the wrong pocket, sir. <laughs> yeah, they made it's... off like a bandit, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what it was about my, like, leggings and hoodie ensemble that mm -hmm. uh, that clued you in that I was the, the correct person. Oh, and Slevin, I just overall looked slatternly because it was a last-minute decision to go. Um it was $8 Ichiro weekend tickets. So yeah. I was like, I, I'd heard the whole song and dance from the team about how it was sold out. So I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm just going to see if my friend's around and go. Mm -hmm. So we did, and it was great. And what a, mm -hmm. even though that was the one loss of the series, still a very, very fun game. It was, yeah, it was like I, I, at risk of like, it, it's like one of the only games where I was like, yeah, I'll watch the highlights of this, <laughs> even what, even though they lost. Of like, even though they lost, yeah, yeah like I mean, the was... losing inning was like not that painful. I don't know. Like Jose Ramirez hit a solo homer one inning before, and then Jose Ramirez hit a double, and right, like, yeah, you know, they got just like a they series got, of brownouts. I don't know. They got Jose <laughs> Ramirez and Stephen Quand, who yeah. were like actually they kept a lid on pretty good in the rest yeah. of the, and also. um you know, when is when is Munoz just... I mean, that was some mm -hmm. earlier season Munoz. It was a little yeah. bit... Uh, but, you know, how, how often does that happen? So, yeah. I feel like great, you got to witness but... history, too, because you got to see the first and ideally last time the Mariners will lose on Jake Lamb defense. Uh, well... It is the second, I think, because the, the, <laughs> Oakland, the Oakland series, they did oh, this Oh, yeah. Admittedly... <laughs> admittedly Multiple people completely lost the ball in the sun, but uh, at, and that whole the whole yeah. team was sort of like infected with jelly legs. But, <laughs> like, but just, yeah. the reason that I was so sloppy looking um, on Saturday was because I'd come straight from the look at landing softball game. That's true. And again, thanks to Revive I Five, like once I was up in the north end, I was like, <laughs> well, I live here now. <laughs> I'm just gonna have to uh just I was just gonna start I looked at the traffic to go home and I was like, I'll just start knocking on doors and uh see who will take me in as a as an i five uh refugee. Like there's just no there was no going anywhere. There so were we talked me... to we talked to multiple people who were like came from like way south, like Olympia or mm -hmm. you know, for the I, I even talked to about talk to someone who came from Corvallis um oh my which God. was god yeah just absolute shout out for that and they were staying for the whole weekend but like it was a great know, weekend well, to come up great yeah. weekend to come up good and huge turnout thank you to everyone who was there it was so fun um that is our first event that we've done since 
2019. Yeah. So it was great to get the community back together. Um, we're going to do another thing on Saturday, September 17th. Uh, we're going to do a watch party at Growler Guys on Lake City for the six o'clock game against the Angels. Should be fun. Uh, Kelly at Growler Guys is a huge Mariners fan. He's really excited about hosting a bunch of people. Uh, if you want to go, please like hit up the Lookout Landing Twitter at Lookout Landing. Let me know. You can email me, lookoutlanding3.0 at gmail.com. Uh, and I'll post about it on the website or leave a comment just so I can like kind of give him a head count so we know whether we're like in the 30 person zone or the 50 person zone. Yeah, uh, this is not a this is not like a there's no charge to show up other yeah, than no, 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 just, to like a place that you know serves food and drinks. But yes, uh, and for those of you who are like COVID sensitive, it's outdoors. Um I can't promise there's gonna be like a ton of space between you and other people, but it is outdoors. They have lots of beer, they have gluten-friendly options, they have ciders, they have non-alcoholics, it's kid-friendly, it's dog-friendly, there's food, there's gluten-free food, so a yeah. little something for everyone, uh, please, please pop over, because it was so fun to do one of these community events, and, um, you Actually, know, I feel like... get to see people, you know? Yeah, like, we, it's been so long, and uh, it's great to like hear from all of you virtually and stuff but seeing people in person and specifically like the experience of watching a mariners game with uh people who are very into it it, it wouldn't really work out after softball because there was such a gap between the time the our game ended and the other game started and so many people like going to the to the ichiro hall of fame induction so uh we thought this would be their away like it's an it's an away game uh, obviously it's the angels, so please come and, you know, I, I don't want us to throw things because Growler Guys is being really nice about letting us be there, but, uh, you know, a hearty boo to the angels, um, would be much appreciated. Go down smooth. So yeah, the 17th, come on out. Well, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more about, um, this weekend here, because I was... I think we we've had as Mariners fans and and you know in covering this team there is a bit of a wariness uh nervousness around sort of big weekends. Quote, a well deserved. Yeah. Um we've got Dedgar weekend. We've got Lollapalooza. We've got mm, any time the, the any time the Blue Jays have come to town oh, until gosh. this year. <laughs> um the I mean, Canadian I, I, invasion. I, I, yeah. Everything's got to have a name. So it's a Canadian invasion. Yeah. Um, just, you know, a lot of, I mean, big weekends where it's huge. It's pivotal, as they say, um, for the team's playoff odds. They're, you know, facing a, you know, it doesn't even matter the quality of the opponent. I mean, honestly, even last, you know, um, the final series of last year against the Angels when they went, you know, one and three. Now, granted, that was like, I, I didn't feel quite as bad about that. They had the epic win with, you know, on Hanniger's walk-off, and then on Sunday, like, it wouldn't have mattered what they did. They would have had to sweep. Um, so, you know, it's a little trickier, but, like, um, you know, it, there's been a lot of discussion and i think rightfully so not just about like how the mariners do on these like hyped up weekends um but also how they have performed with big crowds at home and 
this weekend, you know, Thursday, they had like a normal good crowd. It was like 24, 25,000. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it was like 40,000 plus. I think it was, I think Friday was like 39 and change or something to that effect. But like, listen, I, I don't, I don't think there's too much necessarily to actually tie into the psyche of it. Cause usually you're just going to see a little bit better performance when a team is at home and when there is, you know, when there's a lot of people there, it usually means the team is good. So theoretically they should do better, but, uh, my goodness, it was nice to see them actually step up, uh, and, and, and perform. It was something that I think started with the Toronto series because that really felt like, uh, and they were at the time, I thought the Blue Jays were a better team. I was shocked that that was the outcome of that series. And you could have chalked that up. And they won this game. They won this series against Cleveland very similarly. Like, extra innings, uh, not a ton of offense. big, Just a big, um, you know, big hits in key moments. And a really strong pitching performance from pretty much everyone. Even though they couldn't get Castillo a win for the second time. Which uh, is doesn't doesn't feel great. But yeah, it was, I think, like the first time could be a fluke. The second time starts to feel like maybe a pattern. So um, especially after seeing them like eh, not play their best against some of these inferior teams. Yeah, it was you know. nice to see them like know what mattered, know what was at stake and and really pay back the fans who have been supporting them all season and you know this electric factory business and whatnot like yeah it does it there were 30,000 people at least for each of those games it was 28 I think or 24 or 28 on Thursday and then all the rest of them were like close to 40 so uh really nice to see that kind of synergy Seattle baseball town I know that that means a ton to us and to probably, if you're taking the time to listen to the podcast, it means a lot to you, and that feels great. It was really neat. I mean, I, you know, we've seen a lot of the sort of pomp and circumstance stuff, and I mean, Ichiro has had, like, a lot of sort of, if this is goodbye, woo, moments, like, probably about five or six, um, at least. He's been thoroughly celebrated, which I, right. I very much appreciate. I do. Yeah. Um, I mean, rightfully so. Uh, and, and it's also nice in a sense, cause like the 95, like that era of team sort of gets, I think the, the blind share of celebration in, in Mariners sort of land because the O one team, you know, sort of had a bit of a falling apart, uh, not a falling apart, but you know, didn't, didn't make good on what should have been a World Series yeah. winning yeah. team. And, and you know. Huge amount of disappointment. The 95 team was a pleasant surprise. The 2001 team, it's weird to label it a disappointment. But, um, and, you know, certainly not in the context of Mariners history. It's not. No. Well, and even in the context of, like, where they were at the start of the season. Like, nobody essentially picked them to win the division. So they were truly, like, yeah, I remember going back and looking at what the O one one team was, ex or was expected to be um, a few years ago for an article. 
not much. You know, kind of a decent team. <laughs> they, you know, they, I mean, they fucking lost Randy Johnson, Ken Griffey Jr., and A Rod in over like three years. Can and you know they Nobody got saw John player. Halama and Aaron Seeley pitching all year and being like exactly. borderline top ten American right. League pitchers, among other crazy things that happened. And that team, to Kate's point, it's easy to view that team as a disappointment because they were quite literally the greatest team of all time, right. but they didn't win at all. You know, like that's a really easy kind of hair to split there. Um. So you know, I just i i love i love Ichiro, <laughs> and i i, I love <laughs> him. And doesn't honestly. What a speech! What I a mean, speech. Oh, one probably, of the best. Probably the best. I think. I mean, obviously, Edgar's. I can't judge fairly because um, it was like just a direct assault on my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> well, not an assault, but an embracement. You know. uh, uh, an assault I, on your ability to not. Oh be no! It was, a, it was a punch in the feeling for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. And then. Graffiti's I thought was good, but Ichiro's was, I thought, a perfect blend of, like, heartfelt, sly, funny, like, you know, really revealed his personality in a lot of ways, gave a lot of window into um, his life, I think, and, you know, his wife and the people who have kind of supported him, and, um, yeah, it was, it was really really meaningful i love that the pregame when he was doing the like the little round table with ken griffey and dan wilson and some other people everybody else is dressed up in you know like nice suits and like they're going to church basically and ichiro is out there in batting gloves and like just regular gear and it cracks me up because it's been a little while now like it, you know it'd be different for the first six months or a year or something if he was hanging around the team kind of still doing this but like He's very much settled into this being his life is that he's still basically a baseball player. He just yeah. isn't on the team. And uh, I I love, I told this to my sister, I love that he loves it here. I love that he loves it here because there are so many players who didn't have a good experience in Seattle or did, but don't love it here and don't think of this as home. And he very clearly, and he said this, thinks of this as his professional sports home and where his legacy is. And I'm very proud of that and proud that we got to celebrate that again. I, I agree. Could not agree more. Um, let's let's move from... Way to not embarrass us in front of each row team. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. That is the... Yeah, like, <laughs> for real. It's, uh, it's payback for uh, having embarrassed themselves in front of Edgar that in 2015. Oh, Whoopsie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Live and learn, right? Yeah. Rebuild. Um, so let's, let's look ahead now. Uh, I, I want to look ahead a little bit and then I want to look ahead a lot of it. Uh, first, I want to look ahead a little bit at the remaining schedule here for the Mariners and how it, um, you know, how things sort of stack up in terms of, uh, you know, we've been doing a lot of the strength of the schedule stuff. I think it's, it's reasonable, even as it's a little bit of a, Toss up, but right now, you know, Fangraphs has them at a ninety-four percent, ninety-four percent odds to to make the playoffs, um, winning a little over eighty-nine games. Um, that said, uh, they also have the twenty-eighth strongest strength of schedule, which is to say, third weakest remaining strength of schedule, and the weakest remaining strength of schedule in the American League. Um, they only play three 
teams with a winning record for the rest of the year. And that is a total of eight games out of the 34 that they have left. That's the Padres and who else? It's the Padres, it's the Braves, and it's the Guardians. So I believe it's literally this next week and a half, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Because this weekend is... uh, Who's it this weekend? They've got... Yeah, they've got Cleveland, and then I guess it's the next two weeks, essentially. Because they have three at Detroit starting today. This is Tuesday. And then this weekend, they're at Cleveland... They come home and host the White Sox, the Braves, and the Padres. And then the rest of the year is all sub-500 games. It's Anaheim, it's Oakland, it's Kansas City, it's Texas, it's Oakland, and it's Detroit. So this is, again, it's sort of... All all who will be looking to play spoiler. Certainly, right, right. Especially the Angels. Yeah, but the Angels only get one crack. They get they get four games, but they get one crack. Okay, uh, fine. Especially <clears throat> Oakland, who are now reinforced with Shea Langoliers, who annoyingly true. looks like he's going to be pretty good. Yeah. Um, after releasing Elvis Andrews to ensure he did not trigger his vesting option. Yeah, they're uh, the worst. God, just, yeah. They're um, the worst. Yeah, in any case. Um, I, you know, I I think it's it's been feeling I don't know I don't know how you guys have been feeling about it but it's felt a little bit strange because it is unfamiliar territory for the Mariners to be in relatively the driver's seat um, for a playoff spot right they are active you know if they don't screw things up they can essentially kind of glide in to the postseason which has not been the case for. Ever, you know, for for since two thousand and one, yeah, they've depended like, on other teams to control their destiny, which right. is not a great way to be. Um, it just it it makes the feelings for these games a little bit strange for me sometimes. I guess where there's it's not quite as tense. It's a little bit more like dutiful, you know, like yes, good, okay, you've taken, you know, you've you've beaten the Angels. Like oh, come on now, we've got to. Tighten it up against the Nationals, but you know, okay, it's fine because you play Detroit a bunch or whatever. Like, I, I'm I'm trying to make sure that I'm I'm having the sort of enthusiasm and intensity because I am really excited. But it's 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 uh, it's a weird feeling of not feeling like they're not playing. It's almost any it's of almost the teams. a little bit of a curse, I think, to have had to have such an easy schedule. Like you would think, like oh. Like, if I was asked objectively, or asked, you know, prior to the season, would you like the Mariners in playoff position to finish <laughs> out the year playing a bunch of sub-500 teams, I would say, give me the mailing address where I should ship my firstborn. Like, <laughs> but actually doing it, it's... It, it And the team does look a little flat sometimes in a way that against Washington or against... Oakland against Texas mm-hmm. in a way that they don't they didn't look against Cleveland like it felt like and I don't think that's just projecting even though I think the offense was still pretty flat against Cleveland and that's an overall concerning trend as we kind of head down the stretch run here I am 
very concerned about the bats, but less concerned now that Ty France seems to have maybe broken out of whatever this wizard's curse is he was under. <laughs> so congrats here's, on here's that. Here's what's changed, if right. I may. Here's, what, here's what's changed, and you're both right. It has been weird, and the team has not been firing mm-hmm. on all cylinders. But earlier this season, specifically in May, which was the darkest of all times, yeah. when the team was not firing on all cylinders, they were terrible, yeah. so bad. And we're used to seeing them when they're kind of discombobulated, not being good. What's happened since the All-Star break is they've been right around 500 and they haven't been hitting on all cylinders. They've been kind of stuck in neutral. The offense hasn't been the top like 5-7 team that it was for most of the year. Um, but the pitching has taken a step forward to compensate a little bit. But it doesn't matter that they haven't been better than 500 because they were already out in front. So we've watched them be kind of like an average-ish team, and it's okay. And it's like it's kind of weird to wrap our heads around that because we do. We want to see them like return to that state they were in for the 14-game win streak and just be dominant again. They're probably not going to look like that most of the time. Um, for but for it- my own for my own peace of mind, could I ask you guys a question? Like, mm-hmm. of course, what? about this kind of offensive flatlining or you know depression or whatever you want to call it it where they're not hitting as well as they were before the all-star break what is different from when the team was really offensively scuffling in may june uh you know when they were just they had like a teen wrc plus of uh, definitely double digits i want to say it was 70 something i'd have to look at that but uh, yeah. What what is different this time around? Do you think that gives you confidence? We are not going to return to the May day June swoon times. Part of its health, right? They actually have yeah. the good, you know, <laughs> they have the good players, right? They didn't have Mitch Haniger in uh, in May. Um, they had, uh, you know, stretches. I think where. Jesse Winker was hurt. I can't remember where Jesse Winker got hurt um, specifically, um, but bum shoulder, right? Yeah, his he had he had some stretch. Um, Tom Murphy had gone down. Um, we oh my god, we, we weren't necess- well because we weren't at that point. We were not yet confident in Cal Raleigh, um, and Cal Raleigh was not yet confident in Cal Raleigh. <laughs> I don't think um, so. You know, it was it was you know Adam Frazier was playing very poorly. Um, so you really had a team that was not, um, you know, that, that like you could see the individuals ostensibly were, were quality players, but they were not in any way, shape or form, um, demonstrating that outside of Julio and Ty France. <laughs> and when it's the Julio and Ty France show, it's a little bit scary. Um, cause obviously they're great, but you're, you're, really you know it was an offense much more like last year's where it's like you just gotta hope that the the good the couple good players line up the things they do um and this stretch now feels a lot more like okay taylor tremel who was very good this year and is healthy again is just in Tacoma because there's not necessarily a spot for him. He'll probably be here tomorrow, but there's not a spot for him right now. Like Jared Kelnick is not being rushed up to to have to play. Like you have a lineup every night that to me feels like 
I think these these players are in the right position. You're seeing Sam Haggerty perform. You're seeing depth um, come through. You're seeing Frazier turn it around pretty pretty having turned it around pretty significantly. Uh, you know, it it is frustrating because there'll be nights where every player actually is on and they blow out, you know, somebody 10 to two or whatever. And it's like, Oh yeah, perfect. That's, you know, that's what it should be. They're not quite there yet, but so many more of the quality players are in the lineup every night. I just feel a lot better about um, them rounding into that form, particularly against the slate of teams that they have to face. John said the key word, which is health. I think that Mitch Hanniger being healthy is a big deal. Cal Raleigh, us having more conviction that he can actually play is a big deal. But I don't think health necessarily is all positive. I worry a little bit that Ty France has been pegged 30 times and his <laughs> like his just baseline is lower than it was back in April because he's been pegged 30 times and his hands right. hurt and he's injured. And I worry that I worry a little bit of that with Julio that he's you know, he hasn't quite looked the same. When Julio and Ty France are average players, the team is much more average in general, especially the offense. Um, like you said, when it's just their show, it's problematic too, but they do have to be the stars. And we've seen over the last month, the team kind of be stuck in neutral with them floundering a little bit. I would feel better about the health aspect of this if I saw them really turn it up in September. And they might, you know, there is a whole nother month to play, but yeah, we have Tremel coming as a reinforcement. We have Boyd going to be an actual long man in the bullpen, which has been kind of Matt Brash's domain, sort of, kind of, um, so far. But yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes. I think a big piece for me that gives me confidence, too, is other teams are not super healthy either. And I was looking through like the rosters for Toronto and for Baltimore and for Minnesota, and they're in good shape, but no team... No team doesn't have any holes right now, I think is the way I would put it. And no team is yeah. totally healthy. And so I like our odds as much as anyone, even if I'm not totally 100% confident in a lot of stuff. It feels very, it do, It feels like they're still, you know, sort of holding, holding steady, right? Like they're, they're still just trying to get it all lined up, but the like, the fact that when you look at this lineup, and a part of it has just been a sequencing issue, I think, of like this team has not sequenced its quality performance nearly as well as they did last year, which last year they were sort of historically clutch. You know, that's not really a reasonable expectation. And even when you have better teams, like it's going to be tricky. But like when you look at this lineup now, you are essentially putting out a lineup of eight to nine average or above average hitters every night. And that's like, that's the type of thing that we've looked at the Astros. We've looked at um, the Yankees, the White Sox, the, uh, the twins, you know, teams with that have really built solid offensive groups in the past few years. And, and I think I have looked at with a lot of envy of you're not running out a complete hole or three every time. You're not running, you know, a number of your role players into the ground just because you don't have a better option. Like, this is a much, much more capable offensive team. They have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10 current healthy players on their roster with an above 
100 WRC plus and Adam Frazier, who I think is better than his numbers just because of how bad he was at the start of the year and has certainly been performing well. Like that's a good offense. And that if the biggest issue is that they're sequencing poorly and that they have the lowest BABIP of any team in baseball and they're still doing pretty well, like, I think you're you get to see that sort of thing turn around as uh, as the season goes on. I take that back. They have the third lowest BABIP uh, behind or ahead of Arizona and Oakland. But I, I just I just feel a lot better about the uh, about the trajectory that they're moving in. I think that the two things that are um encouraging me the most right now is just the addition of Mitch Haniger and that he was absent for all those times of offensive scuffling and how much better mm-hmm. he makes this whole team. Like mm-hmm. he is such a necessary piece. He's so ne- like with Winker's inconsistencies this year, mm-hmm. you have to have him as part of that. Cause Eugenio is streaky. He's going to mm-hmm. be streaky. Like that is his, that's what he does. Like he's been very hot this, um, this August. He's got mm-hmm. a WRC plus of 160. Um, he still strikes out more than almost anyone else in baseball. Like he is really a three true outcomes player. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. You have to balance that with some of Hanniger's consistent offense. If Julio, Julio has been pretty rough this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, his WRC plus for August is 82. Um, just has kind of been struggling, like maybe a little bit, just getting his groove back after being hurt. Maybe he's still a little bit hurt. Who knows? Um, but it's just, it's been a, a noticeable drop off for him post All Star break. Right. So, and, you know, and he's a rookie and you shouldn't be depending on him to be the anchor in your lineup anyway. Like, to me, he's still as talented as he is. He's still learning the ropes here. He's still (laughs) learning how big league pitchers are attacking him and he still gets shown up at times. So you have to balance these things. And then, but losing Ty France was... The thing that really unmoored the offense, I think, is that, first of all, you didn't have Haniger, and then you didn't have France. When you didn't have both of them, when you don't have both of them at the same time, you, the, the way this offense is constructed, I think, is you, you're pretty sunk. Because you need somebody who's in there who's getting on base. Uh, obviously, JP has taken sort of an offensive step back since starting the year off. Hot. Um, I'm encouraged by Ty France seeing him elevate the ball more and hit the ball with more power because that means he's not hurt. Right. It really was just a terrible approach change. I tracked his um his ground into double plays the other day. <laughs> it's horrible. 
They're bad. Well, they, they've never, they weren't bad. It took him until like May to ground into, like the end of May before he grounded into his first double play all season. Mm-hmm. And then he did it like four times in August. It was pretty three rough. times in one week. Yeah, he was just pounding the ball into the ground. And now it seems like looking at his latest launch angles, he's lifting again. He's mm-hmm. lifting and separating. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think that there, the offense is trending upwards. There are parts that I'm still worried about. Um, because it is... But as long as you have those two guys chugging along at the top of your lineup, getting on base, and not relying on Sam Haggerty to, like, be the hitting star every night, I think the offense is in... Because then you can t- you can deal with, like, Suarez being on or off, or Winker, you know, who seems to just hit it directly at people for whatever reason. Uh, Raleigh is a little bit a little bit of a slump. He's down to I think a 96 WRC plus, which is not bad for a catcher, but when he was he was like your second best position player in June, so He's he's at a 109. He's doing just fine. His overall, this was just for August. Oh, just I for see. August. I he see. was down to a 96. Gotcha. Um yeah, I think it's a uh... That was after he had like a 160. I think he had a 162 in June. Mm-hmm. Um, who do we think? Uh, we were talking a little bit about this before we recorded, and we got a couple questions about it. But um, I'll throw this to Ryan Turner at Turns44 on Twitter. Um, who are the September call ups? And conversely, who is left off the potential? playoff roster we can see the light at the end of the tunnel it has a chance to be wonderful keep working hard crew i am assuming that's directed at the mariners but on the off chance it's directed at us thank you Ryan. and if not (laughs) then thank you on behalf of the mariners um who do we think our september call-ups are i feel like one is sort of been evan was saying it's like it's been essentially projected that it will be matt boyd is there anyone that you guys expect it to be other than taylor tramell well that's the fun question isn't it is what do they do about jared because we we know it's going to be at least boyd jerry has said as much multiple times that's not a secret right. but the question is do they call up tramell or do they call up kelnick and if they call up tramell does kelnick get any more playing time this year at all i think that's the question Boy, I, it's hard for me to imagine. Like, Tramel has outperformed at the major league and AAA level, outperformed Kelnick. Yeah. And he is a better And he's a better center fielder. He's. Yeah. He takes some a, of the stress off Julio if you need to give right. Julio a day. He's a he's a he's a better base runner. You know, you he can he can be a pinch runner who steals a base late in the game. He yeah, I mean, I've been impressed with Jared defensively. That's been nice to see. I think he did improve that regard of his um, sort of skill set. But like, Jamel's just faster and and is is a little bit better at that than him. And Kelnick, hopefully, will get to a point where he is a better hitter. But like, there's a reason Jamel was a top 100 prospect. <laughs> like, it's because all of the things that he's currently doing in AAA and actually did this year, like the main concern with him was would he actually be able to handle velocity? Cause he sort of struggled with it at times. And I think he did struggle with it and conversely, you know, league spin. And then he saw more of it and he saw more of it and he's gotten a little bit better. You know, he he's 
striking out less in AAA this series, striking out way less in the majors. Obviously, it's both like smaller samples because he's missed time. But like, it, there's no there's no way to me that they call up someone other than Tremel. Um, I guess unless they like need an assuming no one gets hurt tonight. I guess that's that's just where it is. For me. I think the other name people want to hear is Kyle Lewis, and he's mm-hmm. not no. he's not coming up. No, um, no he's not playing be. all no. that much in Tacoma at all. Uh, I think Evan White is likelier than than Kyle Lewis because which you can, is wild. Which oh, is man. wild. Well, because I, I don't think so. I don't think they're going to do it. But like you are correct, he's more likely just because he's playing right now. Technically, right. they moved him onto the forty. They well, yeah, they they, well, they moved him off the six. Yeah, they moved him off the sixty onto the forty, so he would be as easy to call up as Tremel. The other name that I think we're missing is Luis Torrens. Mm-hmm. It is, but I, I, but like, I think they are obviously going. They will call him up if and when he's, you know, needed. If they, if they, if they suddenly run into something, but he's like, been doing nothing but mashing in Tacoma. I mean, it's an extremely small sample size, but he's slugging six sixty seven in his twenty four um, plate appearances. <laughs> Do we think they give him Santana's spot essentially? Because that's that's sort of the move that I would have to see. Because I don't think they would ditch Casale this soon. Well, the idea I think would be they'd have three catchers, which is not an yeah. uncommon thing for like the end of the year. But I just think they have so many off days in September. Like it just doesn't necessarily strike me as as big of a need. Um, they've got. Uh, you know, two catchers who ostensibly should be fairly. I mean, Cal is not necessarily fresh, but um, Cal is the opposite of fresh, yeah, and I yeah. think he has like a. <laughs> I think he has like a hamstring issue, even though yeah. his walk-up music is Outcast, and I'm sure he's very clean. He is not so fresh, maybe uh, clean. That's it's fair. crazy that we've gone from wanting to see less Cal because he wasn't good to see wanting to see less Cal because he's been excellent, and we'd like yeah. to give him a break. Uh, he's he he is starting, I think, to I'm not thrilled with his plate appearances lately. I feel like yeah. there's some regression going on there, some pressing at the plate. And it's I think a little bit born of the team's overall offensive frustration, which I would pin to that Yankees series, just um especially that extra inning game that Castillo pitched and like, yeah, they won and that turned out to be great, but there were so many bad at bats. So many bad at bats that they took in that. And just overall, I feel like everyone wants to, and it's great. Like everyone wants to be the hero. Everyone wants to step up. And, but I, I feel like that's getting guys out of their approach sometimes. And I just want to see, I mean, Ty France has done a great job. He was really expanding the zone. And he is, I hope now that he's got his swing back, starting to get back to himself. I'm uh, not thrilled with um, what I've seen Raleigh do or like it's just that they're attacking him differently now, though, because they know that he's going to be sitting first pitch fastball. And so he gets soft stuff instead. And uh, then they just throw that high fastball, which he does have a have a there's a hole in the swing and it's a high fastball. So, um, yeah, just. Just protect Cal a little bit. I don't know. I would like a pissed off Luis Torrens on our revenge <laughs> tour, personally. Personally. Yeah. 
I, I think it's hard for me to see it because they have they've got an off day next Thursday, and then they have the following Monday and the following Thursday off, uh, and then they have really their last long stretch, um, which is the sixteenth to the twenty fifth consecutively. Maybe in there you you see some shuffling. Um, but then they have Monday the 26th off and then they're home for the rest of the season um, for that for that final stretch. So um, I, I could see it potentially, but it's it's to me, I, I just kind of ex- I would expect them to go with Tramel because it would keep them out of Jake Lamb in the outfield as the like second option situations that they've had with, you know, Haggerty and Moore and Winker and Crawford and everybody nursing something. Just to give, I do think, I think you're right. I think it will be Taylor Trammell and I think it will be a pissed off Taylor Trammell or at least a a, a Taylor Trammell doesn't get pissed off a chip on his shoulder. Mm -hmm. Taylor Trammell, um, because he has been performing and he's not, and I think he's frustrated with the injuries he has suffered and the yeah. fact that they've cost him some opportunities. Um, yeah. You know, he's slashing 333, 408, 575, like, in about in 87 plate appearances. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the most encouraging thing to me about Tramel in Tacoma is Tramel has been a strikeout guy. And he has really cut that down. Um, he's got almost as many walks. He's got 11 walks and s- to 17 strikeouts in those 89, 87 at-bats. So that's pretty good. That's I think it's a, it's a K rate of like uh, 12, 14%, something like that. I can't do the math in my head, but um, pretty good. Pretty, pr- pretty good, and definitely a sign, a, a sign in the right direction. And I think the team will reward him for his like overall attitude and mm-hmm. uh, the improvements that he's made. I want to go to another question that we got here because I've been thinking about this, and this was this weekend was sort of a solid little taster for uh, for this possible question. Uh, the question is from Twitter at fest or Twitter parentheses Festa Fiesta man um, at Tweeter underscore man. Um, who is the most optimal wild card opponent for the Mariners? Um, and for Seattle, right? There's there's the number the options here are pretty limited. Um, it could be obviously Toronto. It could be Tampa. It could be um, Baltimore. It could be Cleveland, either as a wild card or as a division winner, if the Mariners get the last wild card spot. Um, or it could be the Minnesota Twins. Um, it could, I suppose, be the White Sox, but they're they are really in a bad spot, um, and I don't know. That there's really anyone else. I'm. I am sorry to the Boston Red Sox. Simply not going to be considering. Not gonna them. happen. Yeah. Um, who I guess of that group you feel like Seattle matches up best with, and and is there someone you specifically don't want to see? If Toronto. You, want, you don't want to see Toronto. I think. No, I do want to see Toronto. Do want to see Toronto? They're my number one pick to play. Is Toronto for sure? Interesting. So 
Toronto, obviously, the Mariners went five and two against um, this year. They they outscored them twenty one to twenty one or twenty eight to twenty one. So you know, solid like genuine beatings. Um, and they obviously Seattle had that fabulous four game sweep here in Seattle, sending all the Canadians home. So sad, but um, Toronto Cry- also crying into their timbits. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, Bear claw for your thoughts. Um, on the other hand, Toronto, at least by most projection systems, right, is the strongest team of uh, of that group. Now, is that actually the case? They're down Hyunjin Ryu. Um, Yusei Kikuchi has been horrible and moved has has been for the second straight year moved to the bullpen um, because surprise, he's sort of erratic to the point of being untenable. Um, they've had horrible, horrible experiences, unfortunately, with Jose Barrios, which makes me personally sad. Um, now granted, Kevin Gossman and Alec Manoa have been fabulous. Um, Gossman, in fact, due to Justin Verlander's recent injury, might sneak in and snag the AL Cy Young. Um, but my pick, my <laughs> precious pick. <laughs> um, because I am physically incapable. This is why I can never be a BBWAA member. Like a bubble, I could never be a bubble because I could never bring myself to vote for Justin Verlander other than punchiest face. Punchiable. Yeah. I do love that. <laughs> um no it's true. Uh okay. okay. Who, the, who the, the, the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays though. That they're really? interesting because well, I think they're the toughest, but I also think they're the most interesting because like you point out, you have Gaussman and Manoa at the top. So we have Ray and Castillo. So the pitching matchups are mm-hmm. really interesting. Um you have Vlad Guerrero Jr., sort of one of the last, you know, rookie phenoms. Against now we have Julio, the current rookie phenom. I I just think it's a really interesting. It's it's an inch. I think that the narrative side of that yeah. makes for an interesting matchup. I do not want to face them because I like the idea of the Mariners enacting their devil magic over the Rays. Uh, whatever's going on with the Orioles, I do not understand. Um, but I think the Mariners are probably a better team than them. Twins just leaking oil, leaking oil lately. Yeah, Absolutely terrible tough. pitching. Absolutely terrible pitching and a terrible bullpen. So uh would would enjoy that from an offensive side, just see if the Mariners could really get the bats going. And the White Sox are under the curse of Tony LaRusa. So uh and it, the the Blue Jays are the toughest matchup by far. It was really interesting to see how they matched up with the Guardians. I I mean I don't mm-hmm. think the Twins sadly can depending on what the Mariners do in this upcoming series, I guess, like maybe we should throw Cleveland into this conversation. I don't how big is this lead for them? Yeah, well no, Cleveland Cleveland would be in the conversation for sure because Yeah, okay, it's because, close. They're real close. Well, but Cleveland also if if the Mariners are the third wild card they will play the AL Central, right? Right, which that's is, right. Which means it's yeah. very likely that yeah. they play Cleveland. Yeah. Um, so we need to we need to talk about Cleveland too. I was really interested in the way that they matched up with Cleveland um, because 
the two teams are really similar. It was yes. extremely annoying to see another team that is as good at taking pitches and fouling balls off. And I know Minnesota has Araez and he is frustrating, but it feels like Cleveland's lineup is made up of 15 of those. Oops, oops all Araez. <laughs> oops, oops, all contact hitters. Like yeah. it's, uh, it's extremely annoying, including their power hitters, including Ramirez, who is also just able to it was just watching them spoil like pitch after pitch after pitch josh naylor never thought he was a huge contact guy definitely thought he had more swing and miss in his game but he can get the barrel to everything he's a little ty francy really in that i don't think he has like super elite power but he's got enough that he can carve out a space for him while playing like a pretty substandard first base um yeah, so I just that team is so there are some teams that I'm just interested in seeing them match up against, you know, um, because I think it tells you a lot about the Mariners. Like, yeah, like playing Cleveland is a weird mirror version of that. Um, but no, I want I want them to win. So I want whichever team they can feast upon most deliciously. And I don't know, might be the Twins. Um but also might be the Rays. I'd like to see them face Cleveland. That offense, while they are co- a bunch of contact hitters, they are deeply... I, I found them deeply unserious as a team offensively. This this <laughs> Unserious like, offense. <laughs> I mean, just like Jose Ramirez, unbelievable. Is he not as, he not as good as he was last year, though? Or he did the Mariners just pitching just... He was oh, the Mariners pitching just pretty year. much shut him down. Just um, other than that one game that he basically like single handedly won for them. Yeah, uh, I put yeah. this I mean, on Twitter, but um, he and Stephen Kwan don't st- strike out at all ever, yeah. and the Mariners struck mm-hmm. at least one of them out in at least three of the four games that they played. Yeah, he's rocking a one fifty WRC plus this year. He, oh yeah, is, yeah, yeah he's good, he's good absolutely good. himself. Okay. But like that, the entire offense, other like beyond that, is just like. There, there's no threats, and that can be a trap. Obviously, of like when you just have a bunch of slap hitters like Juan mm-hmm. and whatnot. But when the, you have a pitching staff like the Mariners that is so capable of getting strikeouts, um, you know, often it, it's a good matchup because if any contact is often good contact off of strikeout pitchers. Um, but, or even even the Marcos, like Marco, pretty effectively uh, shut right. them down with a lot of yeah. You can make contact, but it's gonna be shit contact. Right. Well, so that's that's sort of the thing is like Marco is in in sort of a converse way is a better matchup against a team like that mm-hmm, as opposed mm-hmm, to a team mm-hmm. that struggles to make contact, but all of their contact is destructive. It's hard. Yeah, yeah, like yep, the yep, Yankees yep. or whatever. Yes. But you know. If your pitchers are better than the little the slap hitters, and certainly Robbie Ray and Luis Castillo were that this weekend, and and by and large, outside of one bad Munoz inning, the Mariners pitching just across the board was. Yeah. Um, uh, what about Francona being like, "Whoa, that's the best t- pitching we've seen all year." I was like, "Yeah, my brother in Christ, <laughs> yeah. you're in the, you're literally in the AL Central." Yeah. Daniel Lynch and <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, Brady Singer you think really it is. just like. <laughs> yeah. 
get just exhausting you. Yeah, like no, hey, look, look at what there is elsewhere. Yeah, this um, is what real pitching looks like. Yeah, their pitching staff, Cleveland's pitching, terrifying. So you know that's the scary part is if they get any yeah. lead, you are in a yeah, bad. You're, you know, you're, you're in, in trouble. Place. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that is obviously what makes them scary, especially in a shorter series where they can kind of throw kitchen sink of right their 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 best against you but the mariners can kind of do that and they can actually you know hit with a little more authority and you know i would not be opposed if we're talking like a three game set or whatever i would not be opposed to giving marco a start which is not something i would say but if it was cleveland because i because of the way he matches up against cleveland and you know i that would be I feel like that would be a really fitting and a nice thing for Marco to get to do to make a a playoff game start because he's obviously not the pitcher that he was. But give him the start over Kirby. That's the skip you do. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I hate. Then you know what? Hopefully, and then he never starts again. You move move on, and then you. And then you roll out Kirby in the wow. next time, and you be like, "Ah, oh, Marco, you got your, you got your." And then Marco gets to have pitched a, a playoff game for Seattle, which I think he deserves to do because he has been here and stuck through all this bad stuff for so long, and you know, stuck through getting called boring by the team present. Like he has stuck through some shit, and I know we're like not always the biggest Marco fans as a staff, but. I do feel like he has given a lot to the team and he is he's he it's sad that he's not the caliber of pitcher that he was last year or the year before even and um yeah I'd like to find a way into into letting him get a little playoff glory too I feel like people have been down on Marco for several years now but he's really only been ineffective for this year and parts of last year that prior to that even though people were critical, he was still a, an excellent pitcher and, and, you know, absolutely worth the investment the team made in him. And uh, I think, Kate, that would be a defensible decision too on the grounds that like, maybe you don't start Kirby in the playoffs just because he's thrown so many innings. Like at that point, he will be at what, like beyond 150 potentially. Uh, yeah, I have to say though, I don't feel like there's any kind of drop off in Kirby. Like, and maybe this is, you know, wear and tear we can't see, but where we're seeing, I mean, he's still at 95 when he's throwing in inning six, you know, like there's no velocity drop off, which there kind of was earlier for a while. And I was really nervous about him potentially having to get shut down, but he's come back from the all-star break, like really just pumping it in the sixth inning at the same degree of intensity he is in the first and second. You know, they talked about that. I don't remember if it was Scott or Jerry. I apologize. I listen to the interview every week and they all blur together at a certain point. But uh, they are talking about that and like whether or not, I, I should say specifically what metrics they use to gauge whether or not they would shut somebody like Kirby down. And he said they're looking at, you know, velocity, innings pitch, total pitches, but also stuff that we're not always looking at, which is like, release point and spin rates and uh, like some other kind of under the radar statistics that they think mm-hmm. are indicative of a problem earlier than what we might see further out. Um, and he said, all signs are good. So I took that really positively as they're going to, they're going to pitch him. And it sounds like he's doing great. Did you guys catch the interviews that he did for the, for the YouTube game? No. 
No, I was I was in the press box, so we didn't have volume. So oh, bummer. They asked him just about the uh, the twenty four straight strikes, obviously, which is his, you know, like debut, um, yeah, fame, so to speak. And uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. He's a sharp dude. Round us up into into rapping here, because I know we 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 gotta make moves. Um, but I wanna I wanna finish out with a very nice question here from. Layla at Lay says go M's, um, which is sort of a nice one. I actually haven't been to a Mariners game in in a um, quite a while, at, at least since early August. I think um, just have had a lot lot going on, um, but I would love to know, and so would Layla. What's the most fun y'all have ever had at a baseball game? Which I guess is not specifically say Mariners game. Um, so I am I am curious uh, what what you guys would uh, would go for here. I'm Kate like, first. Been, oh, you want me to go first? Go first. Um, I was at that wild game against I the White Sox. I think it was the White Sox in like 2016. So the Tigers one, the Zunino Tigers. Tigers that, yeah. Well, no, the one that went. Yes, yeah. The extra inning, flat extra, sack fly. Yeah, yes, yep, yep, yep. That one, that was... I've never been, like, that delirious at a ballpark. <laughs> I was so late. There was no food. It was cold. Um, but I was with pals, and that was... It was just, I mean, the elation. And it being so dark, it felt like we were, like, all up past our bedtimes and <laughs> a little, like, Safeco sleepover kind of situation. Mm-hmm. So... That was really fun. Um, and, you know, I think it has to be a win. Because I was also at that game 162, which was the most thrilling game I've ever been at. But it didn't end in a win. And it actually ended in uh, some disappointment. So I can't I can't pick that one. Uh, oh, and then the Mitch, uh, the Mitch Hanniger one. I was at that game by myself, I think. So... Yeah, no, but I can't pick I, that one. I, lo- I love going to a game by myself. I love so going to a is, game by myself. I love it. I love it. It is a different experience. It is not as much. I mean, the experience of like jumping around with your friends is, yeah. So I think I think that might be it. I had a really good time at the Yankees day game this year that I went to with a couple of friends, just because that was like a whole day experience. Like we went and we got dumplings beforehand, and then we went to the game, and the game was so thrilling. And they had never like hung out in the bullpen and watched things. So like I was also able to explain some things to them about like, you know, the different pitchers and, you know, like a a little deeper look. These are more casual fans, like a, a deeper look in into the game. And then we went afterwards and we went and got a drink and there were like just Mariners fans thronging, thronging the streets, sad Yankees fans everywhere. That one was pretty fun. Mm, that was definitely the most fun this year, but yeah, I gotta I gotta stick with the Chicago White with the nope Tigers one. For some reason it's fixed. I get those teams mixed up all the time. They're over there. Our 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 our, our season long slander of the Midwest as a site yeah, continues. <laughs> <laughs> what is the big old square states? Um, yeah, yeah that 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 has to be that has to be it because I was just. I've never felt like I've never known what punch drunk was until that. Yeah. 
Evan? Like Kate, I, I can never narrow down an answer to just one. I have to have several, but you know how it is. Uh, I went and saw I'm Pedro Martinez. <laughs> we have a reputation. But uh, I saw Pedro Martinez pitch against the Mariners at the Kingdom in 98. And that's like one of my formative childhood memories. So that mm. always sticks out to me. Um, but more recently, I went to the game on Sunday with my sister and uh, my brother-in-law. And that was great. Obviously, it was the Ichiro weekend. I uh, got to hear his little speech. The Mariners won 4-0, which is all you can ever really ask for. And uh, it was really fun to meet all you guys last uh, September. I think when we went to one of the games of the final homestand was pretty cool as well. So, yeah. I am trying to recall because one of the one of the most fun games, and I, I feel bad for the recency bias here, but I was at the Luis Castillo against the Yankees start. Um, I think that was the most recent Mariners game I've been to. Or I might have gone to one later that week, but... Um, it was, you know, it was with my, my roommates, um, and we were all doing it because, um, one of our, one of them who was staff writers at Gotchalk was moving away. Um, and so it was going to be sort of our last game and lo and behold, it was one of the craziest goddamn games I've ever seen in my life. Um, and just, I, an astounding, you know series of pitching and defensive performances and also hysterical Yankees errors um, base running wise. So, I mean, that was, I was in the press box for that one. And like, just trying to contain my squeal of delight when they, <laughs> okay, you got to wander out. You got to, you got to get impossible, out of impossible. I did. I did make a little, sque- I, I did a little squeal when Matt Brash <laughs> got that ball. <laughs> Oh my god! It's involuntary. It's it's pretty spectacular. It, that was um, a wild, that was a wild one. Yeah, I I think that was that was probably the tops. I've had some really wonderful experiences watching games like with people. Um, you know, I I am not necessarily at the at the game, but you know, remembering that I, I watched game one sixty one last year at. Um, you know, at Gasworks Park, which was pretty sweet and like terrifying to people nearby me as I was started screaming when Mitch Hanniger hit the ball through the through the whole off sea check. Um you know, watched game one sixty one in twenty sixteen, um, down in Portland at like during a party, kept like sneaking back in to like check on my laptop and check was happening uh, which is like eventually was able to draw like half the party in to watch which is uh fun as well but um yeah I, I mean there's there's a million games I went to as a kid and they were all wonderful I remember the Stan Javier catch which if you know the Stan Javier catch you know you you know the catch um so sorry, fuck. It's been fuck you, Phil Nevin, since day one. Um, <laughs> You've been about that life, exactly. Um, oh, this isn't a game, yeah. but I want to say to like the the home run derby. Never given a crap about the home run derby, obviously, but like, so not a game. But this year, went to watch it with those same friends. Um, had to like beg the bar to put it on on a big screen. They did. 
we started getting into it. Then eventually the whole, this was not like a sports bar or anything. It just happened to be close to my friend's house. So eventually like the whole bar kind of got all caught up in it. And I was like, ah, you know, not only did I have this experience with my pals, but like we had, um, we made, I, I felt like that made Julio fans and it made baseball fans, um, just from the experience of all being together and watching it and, and rooting it on. You know, it's really fun to see the birth of a, not the birth, the rebirth of a baseball city kind of before our eyes, uh, see people just climbing on the Mariners bandwagon from all directions, fast and furious, too fast, too furious. Uh, it is really exciting and yeah so not necessarily a, a game related experience but something and something i hope we get to like keep talking about and keep making these memories as things go on it's really really fun all right gang uh thank you for joining me thank you for talking these things through i oh i, I need to get tickets for for some games this weekend i'm I, this got me jazzed again um and uh so we will talk to you all soon thank you evan Thank you, Kate, uh, and thank you all. And until next time, goodbye. Yum.